This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Hi, y'all, and welcome to Horsin' Around. Saddle up and get ready to have a darn tootin', gallopin' good time as we trot out the show that's your ultimate horse sorts, of course. Find out how to use good old horse sense when it comes to breeding, feeding, training, and explaining. From practical tips on caring for your horse's health to advice on how to buy horse supplies, including bridles, halters, saddles, and more. So get ready to start horsing around with your host, horse expert and award-winning rider, Audrey Pavia. Howdy, Audrey. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Horsing Around on PetLifeRadio.com. Thanks for joining us. This week, we're going to talk about the five fundamentals that translate under saddle for a safer ride. Let's face it, whenever we get up on a horse, we put our lives on the line. Riding is a dangerous sport, but we can do a lot to make it safer. Today, we're going to talk to trainer Missy Rin of Holistic Horsemanship about how to make your horse safer under saddle. We'll talk to Missy right after these messages. Why the long face? I reckon horsing around will be back in the saddle right after we round up a few words from our sponsors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's designerpetsweaters.com. Hand-knitted designer sweaters for your precious pup or cool cat. Beautiful couture patterns for your pets, including custom-knitted formal wear, casual wear, yachting, and even sports-themed. Many designer pet sweaters include feathered tammy hats, top hats, and a lot of sparkle. Each sweater includes leg loops, front paw sleeves, and leash opening. Visit designerpetsweaters.com to order your four-legged fashions today. Your pets will stay warm for the winter and be runway ready. Large or small, we fit them all. Designerpetsweaters.com Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com We know you're chomping at the bit to hear more horsing around. Well, we're back on the trail. So park yourself over yonder and set a spell. You ain't heard nothing yet. Welcome back to Horsing Around. I'm your host, Audrey Pavia, and today we are talking to trainer Missy Rin about the five fundamentals that translate under saddle for a safer ride. Missy, welcome back to the show. Thank you. I'm glad to be back. Last week, we spoke to you about the three foundations for a safer horse, which involved groundwork. Uh, Let's start by talking about what the five fundamentals that translate under saddle for a safer horse are. The first one is holistic joint or lunging, mm-hmm. and the second one is a one-ring stop on the ground. Okay. Then I go to desensitizing, and then I teach my horse to yield their hind and forequarters, and then I teach the horse to change direction when I'm lunging. And all of these have a key element in creating the horse uh, a safer horse when you're riding. All of these will translate under saddle for that safer ride, as I'll describe. Okay, so you're doing this work on the ground. Yes, I'm doing it on the ground, and then when I get under saddle, I translate them, and I'll talk about that as well. Okay, so let's start with lunging. Um, tell me why it's important and what your method is of doing it. First off, the reason why I do it is when I saddle my horse, I will saddle or I will cinch over a three period, over three periods, because I, first of all, I'm 
five six, one hundred and forty, and picking up that front leg and trying to stretch it out, like a lot of people say, you know, just to stretch the horse out. It's very hard for me, especially if that horse decides to lean forward. So I found that lunging gets any pinching out uh, from the cinch. So I'll cinch up to the lowest, you know, the, the lowest hole or the lowest level possible at first, and then I'll lunge, and then I'll cinch again, and I'll lunge, and I'll cinch again, and then I'll just lunge a little bit. And my lunging, all these steps that I do, only take about five minutes, and then you're on, on the trail. But it takes a while at first. Your sessions with your horse may be a half an hour, 45 minutes, teaching your horse these five fundamentals. But once the horse knows it, I run through them. It takes me five minutes to cinch up, get going, lunge again, and off. You know, on the trail, I'm, I'm going. So um, these are very easy to do. Holistic lunging, the reason why I call it that, is I want the whole horse. I want that whole horse looking at me. A lot of people lunge from the side. I prefer not to do that. First of all, when I'm lunging from the side, I'm only getting the uh, the side I'm standing on. Uh, the horse is only paying attention to me on that side, you know, because horses can see out of each eye individually. Well, I want both eyes on me. So it's important for me to stand in front of my horse. He's got both eyes on me and to make sure I'm not in the blind spot. I need to bring that up because people go, well, the horse can't see me. You need to back up your horse. Remember those three foundations. Back up your horse, get him out of your space, then... I will lift my hand that has the lead rope, and that means the horse needs to follow that lead rope. And I have a training stick. It's a little four-foot training stick uh, with a little rubber end on it. So I'll lift the rope with one hand, and then I'll lift the stick with the other, and I'll cock my head in the direction I want the horse to go, the direction of the lead rope, and I'll say, you need to go now. And they'll look at me like, what are you doing? And then I'll walk up, and I'll just tap on the shoulder. And the reason why I tap on the shoulder is horses have four reprimand spots. They have each shoulder and each hip. If you watch horses in the herd, you'll see that the herd leader or one another will go up to the shoulder to move that horse. So I'm using the same instinctual spots on a horse to get my horse to move. So I have my hand up. I need you to follow that lead rope. I'll lift my stick. I'm asking. I'll come in and I'll tap the shoulder. Never will I go lift the lead rope, lift the stick, and then hit the horse. I never hit the horse. I will tap the horse. And I'll increase my tapping until that horse moves away from the tapping. And then, as I talked about last week, I'll then bow. I'll drop all my pressure, my eye pressure, everything. Good boy. And I'll go up and stroke the neck. And the horse is going to go, what did I do? But I just made the, the right thing easy by stroking that neck. And I'll also rub that area where I tapped on the shoulder, I'll rub it away. The reason why I do that is I want that cellular memory for that horse to be a feel-good, not the tapping. So what the horse is going to relate this to is when I make them feel good, they're going to go, oh, I did something right. And so they're going to connect that I moved my feet from that tapping and I got a feel-good. That's what they're going to relate to, not, not the tapping, but what the last thing I did was the rubbing, rubbing it away. It's very important to leave that cellular memory in a good place, not in a bad place. So then I'll ask again. I'll lift my hand up, cock my head, tap the shoulder. Eventually, you're going to get your horse to the point where all you do is lift your lead rope, and they're going to go. They know that the tapping's going to come, and that's extra pressure. And horses are creatures of comfort. They're looking a way, a way to get out of pressure. So as soon as you lift that lead rope, your horse is going to get it. Now, it can take some time. You've got to have some patience. 
but tapping the shoulder, that reprimand spot, is very key to getting your horse to move away because it's an instinct for them. Their body is designed to move away when that when there's pressure on the shoulder. And it just brings me up to one thing I want to mention. A lot of people pat their horses like their dogs. Well, horses would prefer stroking and, and rubbing them because those reprimand spots mean to them to move. They learn to tolerate our tapping, but why not use the language that they better understand? And that is rubbing the neck, and when you want the horse to move, tap the shoulder. I can tap the shoulder with my hand, and the horse will automatically move off of that because that's instinctual for them. So now I've got the horse lunging. Okay, now tell me why um, this is important and how it translates under saddle. Well, it will translate under saddle because I'm controlling the horse's feet. So lunging is part of my preparation for the saddle and, again, establishing my leadership on the ground. So when I'm under saddle, when I'm asking that horse to move off my cues, I'm controlling his feet, and that will then uh, invoke that instinct that I am that leader. So lunging is, is a preparation to get under saddle, and lunging leads right into the next Step, the next fundamental is the one rein stop. And the, the one rein stop is extremely important because it is your horse's emergency handbrake. Now, a lot of people I hear, oh, one rein stops, they're dangerous, you know, blah, blah. Well, yes, Hollywood, the Hollywood stuntmen tip over horses with one rein stops. Those horses are trained to do that, and those Hollywood stuntmen know what they're doing. People can pull a nose too hard to their knee and flip over a horse if they haven't prepared that horse on the ground. And remember in the three foundations, we tipped that nose to the girth and we exchanged some breath and we made it the safe and loving place. Well, I'm now going to do that. I'm going to lunge my horse and then I'm going to draw that horse in a one rein stop as I draw the lead rope through my hand. I'm going to start walking towards my horse towards the girth I'm going to pull that nose towards the girth. I'm going to pull about two-thirds of the way. I'm going to put my hand up in the saddle area for a point of reference. And then that horse's feet have probably stopped by then. And now his nose is tipped. And I'm going to wait for that horse to give that nose gently, lightly, and softly towards the girth. Just as I had taught him earlier in the three foundations, now I'm asking this one rein stop from a lunge, which will then stop us. And that's going to translate under saddle. When I'm riding and I reach down that, that rein and I go to pull that nose towards my knee, that horse is going to instantly, it's like a, a light switch going off, not going to stop and put their nose to the girth because it's something I've done on the ground. I've made it a safe and loving place. I've done it over and over. And that horse is going to understand that under saddle. And that's going to mean the, the difference between the horse being spooked starting to bolt or me being able to shut their feet down instantly and get a hold of their brain because I've created that safe and loving place in their brain and they're going to go there because it's now an instinct that I've created. You know, I've been riding since I was 10 years old. It wasn't until a few years ago that anyone taught this to me and told me how to teach it to my horse. And I think it would have saved me a lot of accidents and all kinds of trauma. If I had known this <laughs> earlier in my life. Well, I learned this after having two concussions in one summer off a mare. I 
came from the dressage world, and no one taught me this either. And, of course, in the dressage world, you have the bits. And a bit, that can be pretty painful doing a one-ring stop with a bit. And that's why I ride iron-free. I don't ride with bits. But you can do this with a bit. You just want to make sure that you've got um, a ring, a D-ring will help so that it's not sliding through the mouth. But you do want to be gentle with that bit. But, you know, I grew up in that world. No one taught the one rain stop. And as an adult, I ended up with two concussions in one summer, and I thought, you know, I need to change. And that's what put me on the journey of this of natural horsemanship. And, you know, it's, it's history after that. But this has saved my life so many times. And like the story I told about, you know, the bear running across and my mare just naturally going to the one rain stop because I taught that as a safe and loving place. And you can do it safely. That's the key. Teach it on the ground and translate it under saddle so that it's done safely so that your horse doesn't flip over, that you have control, and your horse is going to respond instantly to the cue. Even before I get my hand down the rein, my horse is now, their, their feet just stop, and their nose is already on its way to the girth before I've even asked. But it's something I've done over and over and over, and it's instinct now for them. So that kind of leads us to the next one, which is desensitizing. You can't do enough desensitizing. We've all heard, I'm sure, many trainers. Desensitizing is so key to having a safer ride. I take my training stick. I have a, a a string on the end of it with a flag. You can add carrot sacks, all sorts of things. But what you want to do with the horse that is scared, I want to put you in a safe position first before you start um, really upping the pressure of that desensitizer. I want you to get next to your horse's shoulder about a 45-degree angle. Take a couple of steps away from the shoulder, but where you can reach out with your hand, the lead rope's in your hand, you tip the horse's nose a little bit towards you. Say I'm standing on the, the near side of the horse, and I've got the lead rope in my left hand. And now I can reach out and I can stroke my horse's neck with my left hand. And I also can grab that lead rope because it's in my hand. It's resting in my hand. I can pull that nose towards me if that horse gets frightened. So I come at the shoulder. And say I want to teach my horse to not be scared of plastic bags. I'll take a plastic grocery bag and wad it up tight in my hand. And I'll just start rubbing their body. But I've got that with my right hand. But I've got their nose tipped a little bit with the left hand. The reason why I do that is if the horse was to strike out or try to get away, I can pull that nose towards me. You have more control pulling the nose towards you. And you'd be amazed how quickly you can get your horse over something scary if you rub their neck and you need their withers while you're helping them through the scary thing. When they're scared, well, it's like when my horse is afraid of a log, oh, my gosh, it's a horse eating log in the road, and they're freaking out and their eyes are wide. I'll get off my horse. There's no shame in getting off your horse. And I'll go walk up to it, and I'll go, what's that? And I'll stomp on it, and I'll go, ooh, that's a log. And so I'll encourage them, come up and take a look, because I want to replace the fear with curiosity. So I'll go look at the log, and because I'm the herd leader, they're going, oh, I need to do what she's doing because I'm mirroring her. And then they'll sniff it, and I go, good. And then I'll go to the other side of them because what you do on one side, you got to do on the other. So I'll go stand on the other side, and we'll check out the log together and go, isn't that neat? And we'll walk around it, and then we'll get back on my horse. And you know what? It's not a big deal now to pass the log while I'm riding them. Oh, okay, that's not a big deal. Same with the grocery bag. I love them with the grocery bag. The grocery bag starts to grow. 
and it just starts to grow, and it's making noise, and I'm stroking their neck, and maybe the head gets high. I'll stop for a minute and ask that head down, because remember, where the mind is, the body follows. So if the mind is down and relaxed, those endorphins are being released, and that horse is getting relaxed. So I'll ask for that head down, constantly asking for that head down, especially if I have a, a hotter breed that I'm working with, and it's a little more sensitive. Head down, head down, stroke the neck grow the bag a little bit. Next thing you know, I've got the bag flapping on the back and loving them up and you're doing great and I'm nurturing through the fear. So they're building their confidence. Oh, this isn't scary. My leader isn't afraid. I'm okay and she's taking care of me. And what does that do? That builds confidence and trust in that horse in you. And that's what you need when you're out, out, out there on the trail and a plastic bag goes blowing by your horse What's he going to do? He's going to look to you. Should I be afraid? And if the horse, for any reason you think is going to be afraid, just put him in a one-range stop, rub their neck. That way they can't do anything, and you'll calm them down doing that. But most likely, that horse is not going to have a big reaction if you've taken the time to desensitize in the barn, in the arena, you know, before you go out on the trail, Work those things out on the ground because, boy, I want to find out on the ground before I'm out on the trail by myself because I ride a lot by myself. And I don't want to be end up on the ground out there because my horse just freaked out over something that I should have taken care of for him. Okay, we're going to take a break. And when we get back, we'll talk to Missy about yielding the hind and forequarters and changing directions when lunging. We'll be right back. Why the long face? I reckon horsing around will be back in the saddle right after we round up a few words from our sponsor. Molly, here's your dinner. Zeus, that's not your food. Don't let that happen to your precious cat. Elevate your cat's eating experience with the Cat Tree Tray. The Cat Tree Tray keeps your cat's food off the floor and conveniently located on the cat tree. It's the perfect way to eat. It's a beautiful wrought iron tray that easily attaches to your cat tree and keeps dogs and other critters out of your cat's dish. A must for multi-pet households. There's a 6-inch tray for large bowls and a 4-inch tray for smaller bowls. Purchase your cat tree tray today. Go right now to CatTreeTray.com. That's CatTreeTray.com. C-A-T-T-R-E-E-T-R-A-Y.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. We know you're chomping at the bit to hear more horsing around. Well, we're back on the trail. So park yourself over yonder and set a spell. You ain't heard nothing yet. Welcome back to Horsing Around. I'm your host, Audrey Pavia. And today we're talking to trainer Missy Rin about the five fundamentals that translate under saddle for a safer ride. Um, Missy, let's talk about yielding the hind and fore quarters. I find yielding the hind and fore really important to start on the ground because that will then translate into half passes and side passes when I'm under saddle. It'll also uh, turn into my spins, my turn on the haunch, turn on the forehand. But if I'm doing it on the ground first, it's going to make it that much easier for that horse to get it under saddle. Also, Yielding hind and forequarters helps the horse connect their brain to their feet. 
you'd be surprised how many horses don't know where their feet are. Have you ever had a horse you're trying to get through a 12-foot wide gate and he won't go? He thinks he's too big. And it's because he doesn't know where his feet are. Horses have a hard time sometimes having a concept of their size. So yielding hind and four quarters gives them that idea of where their feet are and makes them, uh, I think, more solid, more, more sturdy on the ground with their feet. They're more sound with their feet. So what I do first is I like to yield hind quarters first. And I want to get it to the point where I just point at that bottom and I kind of point with my eyes and, and my finger and, I, and I'm saying in my head, move. And I'll maybe make a little cluck, you know, to get that bottom to move. The way I start it is I'm at the shoulder. I tip that nose. So say I'm standing on the near side. I've got, I'm facing the horse's rear. I've got the lead rope in my left hand. And I'm stroking my horse's neck a little bit. And you're all right. And then I tip the nose. And then I take my stick, my four-foot training stick, and I rub the bottom because I've desensitized with that stick earlier in desensitizing. You want to make sure you've done that. So I'm rubbing the bottom, and then I start tapping the air, and I count one, two, three. Then I start touching the bottom, one, two, three, very lightly, and I'll increase the tapping until they move their feet. They don't have to disengage. They just have to move their feet. I don't care which way. Just move your feet. And as soon as they do, I rub it away. Good boy. Good boy. I rub that bottom with the stick. Stroke that neck because that last memory is very important. It's a good memory, not the tapping memory. Then I'll go back to that again. I'll kind of hunch down a little bit. I'm kind of looking serious at that bottom. Got the nose tip. I take the stick and I start tapping the air. And I'll tell you, by the third time, all it takes is me just to tap the air once and that horse is moving. Because they get it. Oh, because I, I left it on a good note, rubbed it to a stop, left that memory as a good memory. Oh, so all I need to do is move my feet. I'll drop my stick, and I'll point with my finger, and I'll say, move, in my brain, and kind of with a little cluck. And boy, that horse will just that bottom. You can see them tuck that bottom. You'll notice the muscles in your horse's bottom will start flinching as you're pointing, and then they'll move. It's, it's like magic. But the, a horse understands the pressure coming off of your body language. I'm looking firmly at that bottom, and I'm thinking, move, and I'll point my finger. And my finger's just as strong as the stick pointing because the stick is simply an extension of my hand. If I had a, a six-foot arm, my hand would be out there tapping their bottom but I don't. That's why I use my four-foot stick that extends my arm. My stick is only to help increase the pressure to help the horse understand as I guide them to get the right answer. So I want to make sure you understand the stick is never something to reprimand. It's just an extension of your hand. So now I've got the, the hindquarters moving when I point and I cluck and I add pressure move. The next is moving those four quarters. I'll stand at the horse's side, say I'm on the near side, I have the lead rope in my left hand, and I put my hand up towards the eye. And then I'll take my right hand, and I will put it down at the girth area where my foot is going to go when I ask that horse to do a half pass or a side pass. It's going to be right at the girth or a little in front of the girth. So I'll have my fingers at the girth, my right hand, kind of pressing. Now I'm just asking with, with girth pressure, and the hand the, the um, left hand at the eye. And so I'll just kind of pat the air. At first, all I want is my horse to follow his nose. 
He'll figure out the girth pressure later. But first, the most important thing is to follow his nose. So he's going to move his nose away. And sometimes, if i got a horse that just isn't understanding it, I'll actually grab the shank and move their nose with my left hand, which forces them to step over with that inside foot in the front, stepping in front of the outside foot. Now they've moved on that forequarter. So I'll ask again. I'll, I'll tell them, good boy, if they've moved their foot. Good, good. Then I'll put my hand up again and the, the girth pressure. Now, it's important as soon as they move to rub that girth. So in a while, you know, in a few sessions, they're going to figure out the girth pressure is what they need to move from because eventually I'm not going to have to use my hand. When I go to press on the girth, they're going to move because when I rub to a stop, that last memory is, oh, I did something right. And they're going to start putting the girth together. But following the nose is the easiest way to get your horse to start moving off that forequarter first. And then you just put your fingers down at the girth and they step to the side. Good, good. Boy, once they do that, quit. Stop. Put your horse away. Once they've got it right, don't run it into the ground. Then when you're under saddle and you go to ask that horse to move that forequarter, move that shoulder over, that foot right there at the girth is going to translate just as your fingers did and that horse is going to move. And when I go to put a one a horse in a one-rein stop, I'm under saddle, I go to put him in a one-rein stop and I put my heel behind the girth and I'm asking those the, the rear to disengage and if their feet aren't moving, I reach around with my other hand and I point at the butt just as I did on the ground when I said move your hindquarters and I pointed at their bottom now, I take my hand, and I reach around, and I point at that bottom, and you'd be surprised. That horse goes, oh, sorry. I get it. I'm supposed to move. I'm supposed to disengage. So, yielding hind and forequarters translates under saddle in the one-ring stop and in the half-pass, side-pass uh, when you want that horse to move their shoulder. Absolutely. And um, I believe you have some videos on your site that illustrate some of these points. Is that right? Yes, I do. We'll have, on the episode notes, we'll have links to your website um, so that people can go on there and see exactly what you're talking about. Doing a great job of explaining it, but it always helps to to see it too. Uh, Let's talk too about changing directions while lunging. Changing directions is like a taekwondo dance on the ground with your horse. There's such a flow to it. I love to do this because it really helps the horse learn to roll back on their haunches turn on that haunch, turn on that forehand, and really drives home the connection of their feet. And it can slow a a horse that's excited down because they have to really think about changing direction. So first of all, you get your horse lunging the way I taught. You lift your lead rope. They get going. Now, what I want you to do, it's a dance step. What I want you to do is say your horse is going to the left. I want you to take your left foot and just take a step 18 inches to the side. Don't move your right foot. Step on your left. Now, if you notice when you do that, look at the leverage you have with your knees bent a little bit. You can rock back and forth and be very steady. Now you've got a good, steady, solid step. So you've stepped to the left. Now you've reached over with your right hand, and you go to grab the lead rope. And when you grab the lead rope, you may need to bump, bump, bump your horse's nose with that lead rope. Hey, I need you to stop. Because first I'm going to teach the horse to stop in front of me, and then I'll change direction. But we've got to start out in baby steps. So I want to get the horse to stop. So bump, 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 that horse stops. 
then I lift my right hand, and the horse follows through, follows that lead rope. He gets going again. So now we're going to the right. Then I take my right foot, and I step about 18 inches. I reach with my left hand, grab that lead rope, bump, 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 if he hasn't stopped. When he stops, good boy. Then I lift that lead rope to the left, and now he's going the other direction. Where the flow of it gets is when you've got your horse to the point where all you do is step to the side and start reaching over, that horse hops up off their front feet, turns on that haunch, and pops back down and goes the other direction. Now, sometimes I'll trick my horse. They'll be, I'll be doing, we'll be dancing back and forth. He's changing direction, and we're just going. There's a real flow to it. I'm taking a step. It's kind of like a waltz or just a dance step. I just, one, two, three, one, two, three. So we're dancing. Well, then I'll go to reach, and I'll put my feet together, and that means stop and look at me. And, oh, they, he'll start to want to go the other direction. He'll go, oh, your feet are together. You stopped because now my hand is down. My hand isn't up. I'm not opening that lead rope. I've got my hand down. That means stop. And if he stops and his bottom's kind of hanging out a little bit at me, uh-uh, I want you to be straight. I want to look down that side of that body, and I don't want to see the bottom hanging out. So then I'll point at that bottom, like I taught in the yielding hindquarters, and maybe I'll make a little kissing sound and... And, oh, they tuck that bottom right behind him because I've taught that yielding hind with just the point. Now you got that horse's attention. Wow, this is fun. What are we going to do next? So you can dance with your horse in changing direction, and it really helps them connect their feet, their brain, and it creates this great relationship with you and your horse because you're dancing with this flow. It's a lot of fun. Are there any problems you might run into when you're trying to teach this? Yes, <laughs> there's always problems with horses, mm-hmm. aren't there? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, the reason why I teach the horse to stop first is because they can really get confused uh, when you're trying to change direction. So break it down. Get your horse to lunge first, then do your one rein stop on the ground. Then when you go to change direction, you're, you're lunging your horse, step to the side, and grab the lead rope, and they may not understand what you're asking. Of course, at first, they're not going to. So you need to bump that lead rope. Hey, 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 bump it under the chin, and they'll go, oh, because remember, we taught the horse to back up with the jiggle of the lead rope. So bumping on that lead rope is going to get their attention. They'll go, oh, oh, you need to stop now. And maybe they're going to hang their bottom out, you know, kind of be lazy. No, you need to tuck your bottom. And if your horse is not getting it, just go back. It's okay to go back and start again where your horse is, is getting it. Say your horse is really good at yielding hindquarters. Go back to that. Give them some success. Then start again. But in baby steps, break it down so that your horse can get it. If your horse starts dragging you all over the arena, you've lost control. Just stop. Go back. Go back to something your horse is successful at and build from there. Take your time, patience, being consistent. And remember, It's the journey, how you get there. You're going to get there with your horse. You're going to meet your goals. But how you get there is going to determine whether that horse is going to be there for you when you are on the ground or is going to go visit the neighbor horses down the street and leave you. Okay, so, um, and this translates under saddle how. Why is changing direction so important? Because it's controlling that horse's feet. It's all about that leadership. And when I go to ask that horse, 
to turn on the haunch, he's already been able to do that on the ground because I have suppled him on the ground. I've asked him on the ground with my body, and now when I go to do that under saddle, that horse is going to pick up those moves because, of course, I've taught the yielding behind in four quarters. When I go to yield those four quarters, I want that horse to spin, turn on that haunch. They need to have that good on the ground. They need to be able to turn on the haunch on the ground turn on the forehand on the ground, and change of direction creates that, and it supples them for that. So when I'm under saddle and I'm asking for that, that horse now understands. Of course, there's, there's more cues that you have to teach to do turns on the haunch under saddle, but changing direction builds that confidence and that trust in you, and you're controlling their feet, and it all comes down to your leadership because, remember, he who moves the other's feet first is in control. Right. Okay, well, that's great stuff, Missy. And unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. I want to thank you for being my guest this week. And if anyone uh, out there has any questions or comments about horsing around, please email me at audrey at petliferadio.com. If you would like to get more information about Missy's holistic horsemanship training, please see the episode notes on PetLifeRadio.com with Horsing Around, and you'll see Missy's bio or photo and links to her website. So until next time, everybody, happy trails. Stop what you're doing and start horsing around. Every week on Pet Life Radio, horse expert and award-winning rider Audrey Pavia will be trotting out great tips on feeding, breeding, and more on everything equestrian. So set a spell and say hey to Audrey and get ready for a darn tootin' gallopin' good time. Every week on Horsin' Around, on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.